Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Here we are. It's Friday afternoon. A great day for talk radio. And uh, as far as the markets, uh, not sure how the day is playing out. But nonetheless, in general terms, the economy may not be great days ahead. There are some storm clouds on the horizon. Just reading in the financial papers uh, that there are some banks and certain precincts that are offering sub-zero mortgages. They're basically paying you to borrow money. And so when you pay it back, you pay back less than you actually borrowed. Uh, This is a sign of end times or something very, very ominous, but uh, it's beyond my pay grade to understand it, which is why we brought our friend John Turley-Ewart in here, the risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. John, always a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you, John. All right. How ominous is this whole scenario? Um... It's worrisome. So let, let me put it in, um, in in terms that I think most investors would understand. John, let's say you want to retire in 20 years and uh, you hand me a brown envelope full of cash. I'm going to give you two options. Option one, I can go to Casino Rama, Rama and play Caribbean-style poker for the next 20 years. Mm. Uh, I may be able to give you back all your money, double your money, triple your money, no money. Or I can put that envelope aside and give you back 99.5% of your money in 20 years. Which option do you want to go for? Well, okay. <laughs> so you go for the 99.5. Exactly. And that's obviously a negative return. Right. And so what I'm really speaking to here is the kind of fear that's in the marketplace. Uh, this is occurring in Denmark. A bank called Just Bank has brought this forward. So Denmark, uh, uh, Sweden, and Switzerland are in a unique situation uh, in the European Union because they're, they're not part of the European Euro uh, Union, and they have their own currencies. However, they're often pegged to the euro. The European Union has uh, been, as you know, doing what's called quantitative easing, putting money into the marketplace. It was uh, in order to generate some inflation, get some economic growth happening. But uh, we've had some interesting years since Mr. Trump was elected president. We have some trade issues happening. We have economic growth that uh, is slowing and possibly going into recession. Uh, The Europeans have decided to uh, scale back their efforts to uh, increase rates. They've put you know, more money in the markets again. And uh, in, in Denmark, uh, since 2012, in fact, you had the central bank there with negative rates. And so you have a lot of money sitting there and people are kind of frightened about, you know, what the future is going to hold. What do I do with my cash? Now, uh, if you're just bank uh, and you're going to get 99.5% of your money back if you lend it out in a mortgage, uh, that's not a bad deal as opposed to getting, you know, 80% of it back or 75% back. But importantly, in the context of, of mortgages, uh, you know, Denmark does a lot of what's called covered bonds. So, uh, you know, they're not actually losing money on this because there's going to be fees uh, attached to any of the mortgages that they do. And, John, I'm going to find someone that's more scared of the market than you are. I'm going to take the mortgages. I'm going to bundle them in a, in a, in a big package, in a big tranche, and I'm going to sell them to someone else who's uh, even more frightened, and I'll make a little money on that. 
All right. Uh, boy, when you say bundling and all these things, the derivatives and whole, this is almost like shades of 2008 again, isn't it? Well, no, I, I don't think it is. Uh, you know, what it is is you have to look at quality mortgages. Uh, I think that the banks uh, in Denmark have been doing covered bonds for a long time. We do covered bonds here as well. You, you put together a quality tranche of mortgages. They're uh, properly rated. Uh, and uh, people who do their due diligence look into the quality of those mortgages and uh, you pick them up and you take them off your balance sheet and you sell them. So what I'm saying is, is that, sure, people are getting negative mortgage rates right now uh, in, in Denmark. Uh, I understand that UBS has told some of their clients, uh, wealthy clients, if they uh, want to deposit more than 500,000 um, Swiss francs, they're going to be charged to do that, 0.06%. Uh, because people don't know what to do with the money right now. And that's what you see happening, again, in Denmark, uh, Sweden, and Switzerland, because all of them are very concerned about having a high currency in relation to the euro. Let's say they wanted to have positive interest rates there, 2%, 3%. What that would mean is their currency would be worth more than the European uh, euro, and that would make the euro more attractive if you're going to be purchasing things from, euro cause, uh, from Europe because it's cheaper, right? Right. So, you know, it gets complicated, but on a basic investor level, there's a lot of fear in the market. People are, are worried that if they put their money in for a long term, it will, uh, you know, disappear. Uh, and they want to find the safest place they can for it. And the challenge for, for, for financial institutions is, and the money markets is they don't have anywhere to put it right now. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you're giving me apples and apples, and I can only eat so many apples, and after a while I'm going to charge you to store my apples. Well, and this is what I hear, that there's uh, this collective pool of money, like 14 or $15 trillion, that's not being implemented or infused into the economy uh, to, you know, invest in projects and grow the economy. So it's dormant. It's lying sort right. of, it's a dead pool of money. All right. And so, again, this t- it ties back to what I was mentioning about Mr. Trump. So we have a trade situation now that has upended the economic system. So that money was flushed into the system starting, you know, many years ago uh, after, uh, you know, we had the financial crisis, uh, 2015, 2016, we had some issues as well. Money flushed into the market. We had then a globalize- globalized market system where China was involved, obviously, and we had trade agreements and everything was moving along smoothly. Now, uh, for example, if you're a manufacturer like Apple, what do you do? You don't know if you're going to be able to to uh, continue manufacturing in China or not. What do you do with your investments? Do you put more in there or do you go somewhere else? What is it that you're supposed to do with that cash? So if you're a financial institution as well, you have you know big companies like Apple and, and those folks laying their money down and putting in you know deposits and whatnot and bonds uh, until they can figure out what to do with it. And that's one of the big challenges right now. We have uh, a disrupted trade system which undermines the ability for people to make investments. Because if you can't predict what's going to happen a year from now, you know, let's say there's an all-out trade war between the U.S. and China, uh, your investment in China could evaporate. Right. And so everybody's parked on the sidelines. Right. This is not like active money. No, it's generating wealth. Right. It's dormant. And uh, a lot of people keeping their powder dry is not good for the economy. So uh, are we to anticipate then, you know, negative growth? which is, you know, two quarters is a recession, right? It's possible. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, these are technical indicators. So you've, you've heard, uh, you know, the inverted yield curve, which is around the bonds. These are technical indicators. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. 
So, you know, for instance, if China and, and, uh, and the U.S. work out an, a deal over the next year, it could be all, you know, the, you know, champagne and caviar for the next three or four years and lots of growth. Money being you know, pumped back into the economy because there's certainty. And that's what business people want. They want some level of, of real certainty so that when they make an investment, they understand they're going to get a return on that investment. And it starts at business and it works right down to your, your retail investors like you and me. I, if I put my money into a bank stock or a train stock, I want to know that a year from now, uh, you know, I'm still going to get paid the dividends that they promised and that I'm going to have my capital protected. Well, the other part of the equation that I guess I'm not clear on are the interest rates now. The Federal Reserve uh, knocked them back a quarter of a point recently. Right. And money is historically cheap. Right. And they're saying that, you know, uh, they may even go further down if that's possible, you mm-hmm. know, to like flat line at zero. Right. So I, I don't know if that uh, is that necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it does lend, uh, you know, people would borrow money, uh, you know, a, a negligible interest rate, right? Wouldn't they then go out and spend that? Yeah. So that's the whole point. So so central banks have uh, a general policy of of trying to maintain inflation to two and a half percent. So does the Bank of Canada. Uh, and what they're trying to do is is stoke inflation to to encourage spending and growth. Now, what inflation does, I'll give you an easy example. Let's say inflation is running at uh, 3%. You know that. You're going to buy a car when? This year or next year? Next year, it's going to be 3% more. So you're more likely to buy it this year. So that's the kind of thing that that the the central bankers, the Fed, are looking to do in a time where you have trade agreements that are upended. Uh, Businesses don't want to know. You can turn to the consumer, give them some incentives in order to purchase now, and and hopefully prime the pump that way. Well, when you talk about priming the pump, I mean, this is that Keynesian economics. Uh, when you have a downturn, that's when you're supposed to spend and supposed to save in times when, you know, the economy is flourishing. We went the opposite direction here with the federal government, spending like, uh, you know, drunken sailors, so to speak, uh, when times were good. We have no headroom. Uh, what's going to happen in the event of a recession? It seems like, uh, you know, there's an impulse to pour a lot of stimulus in there. I mean, is that... Well, uh, well advised or ill advised. So the, 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 there's a number of levers that that are that operate in the economy. The, the you know certainly you have government spending to help uh, you know again prime the pump. But right now I think what we're really talking about is central banks. I mean we already got a liberal government that in, in Ottawa that obviously wants to get reelected, and we can expect a whole lot of promises coming out. Whether any of them will come true or not, who knows? Uh, but certainly. Uh, you know, the key thing right now is interest rates. I think we saw the impact of interest rates on the Canadian mortgage market when, when they went up a little while ago. And also that stress test, you saw the, the Vancouver, Toronto and other markets uh, shrink in terms of the, the size and the growth. Uh, that's starting to be reversed now. If we see interest rates come down, that could again stoke, uh, you know, more building of condos, more building of houses because there'll be more people in the marketplace that can afford it as long as we maintain our, our, our level of employment, which right now is, is at, you know, historic lows, at least since the 60s anyways. Well, it is. Okay, unemployment's at 5.7%. But right. in the event of, again, the dreaded R-word recession, right. uh, that's going to change the equation, isn't it? It depends on how bad it is. Uh, you know, it, it, 
there's 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 uh, great recessions, <laughs> 2007, 2008, and then there's recessions that last you know six, eight, twelve months, uh, maybe two years, uh, and they certainly do have uh, an impact uh, on on employment levels. But on the other hand, uh, you know, again, we live in a global economy that's under uh, a, a current situation where the trade agreements are in flux. Once we get that resolved, I think we'll have a better sense of where we're going. And I think those worries about recession may, in fact, uh, evaporate. But, you know, we, right now, that's the big problem. We don't know what the, the playing field is, and we don't know what the rules are. I wonder sometimes if, uh, you know, it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because the financial papers and, you know, uh, the doomsayers get out in front of the story. Sure. And it sort of perpetuates itself. Right. But again, you look at the strength of employment. Uh, Canada is not the U.S., uh, unfortunately, we've had this disagreement with uh, the Chinese over Huawei, which has impacted, obviously, our, our pork producers, our canola producers, and created other trade issues with China. If we can resolve that, for instance, and we have agreements that we're working with the Europeans, I understand the folks from the UK are talking to Canada as well. I mean, we are a trading nation, and we trade. We still have our, our deal, USMNCA, if it gets approved in the U.S. Congress, which we think it will. So... I think that, the, the, you know, Canada is looking, as long as it can make some, you know, clear steps in the next, uh, you know, few months, uh, like it could, in fact, avoid a recession. But, again, I'm not an economist. Uh, I'm a banker uh, and former journalist, and I just sort of look at the facts, and that's what they say to me. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 